You are listening to the Embrace What Matters podcast. My name is John Mahalik. I'm a seminary-trained author and speaker with over 25 years' experience encouraging others in the areas of spiritual life change and authentic relationship. My goal is to bridge the things of eternity with everyday experience. The current episodes in this podcast are sermons that I delivered while pastoring a church in the country of Honduras. If this podcast encourages you and helps you, can I ask that you please write a review and leave a rating? It will simply help more people find the podcast who may, like you, be searching for more purpose and meaning. Thanks again for listening, and enjoy this week's episode. We're in the middle of a, a series called Belonging to Him, uh, about belonging to God, how that affects us personally, how that affects our uh, relationships with other people. And uh, it's also uh, taking a look at the scriptures, the salvation story through the lens of, of relationship, our need for a relationship. And so we're in a, a small subsection of the series uh, called Our Need for Loving Relationship. There are different needs that we have when it comes to relationship, and certainly we have a need for loving relationship. We all need love. This morning, uh, the title is The Warm Embrace of Grace. Aren't you happy that that rhymes? The Warm Embrace of Grace. This is a, a picture of a woman with a young, premature baby. And uh, I've, I researched this a while ago, but the, uh, the research that I did was the country of Colombia, uh, sometime over 30 years ago, was dealing with a high mortality rate uh, from premature infants, from premature births. And so they were trying to figure out what to do about that. And so somebody came up with the idea of what is called kangaroo care, uh, where a kangaroo puts the child into their pouch. They realized that, you know, the, the, the babies, the premature babies would start out and they would be put into these incubators, which would provide for certain needs, of course, in their frail state. But they took them out of the incubators, at least for a time, and gave them to the mother and had skin-to-skin contact. And it's something that many uh, parents are familiar with today, but back then it was not a thing. So they, they put them for, for extended periods against their mother's skin. And what they found was uh, not only did it reduce the mortality rate, but certain symptoms started to change. Uh, the, the children would cry less, they would sleep longer, they would gain weight. Uh, even with the mother, breastfeeding would, would be produced so that the child will be fed. So all sorts of their symptoms that where they were sort of near death and frail would improve drastically. And very often, these children would be able to leave the hospital much sooner than they were able to before. There's a photo of dad doing the same thing. So a lot of people in, in, for instance, the United States and elsewhere, I'm told parents will do this now, whether they have premature children or not. But it really started with this trend that these these frail children needed the direct embrace of their parents in order to survive. They were, in many ways, you could say they were loved 
into life. They were loved back to life. (laughs) And they were brought to a place of health and fullness. And so I really think that this speaks to something. And here's a photo of a couple, and maybe a married couple, embracing. There are many things when it comes to our need for personal relationship that we could talk about, but I love the idea of the hug, of the embrace, because it really encapsulates in many ways our fundamental need for connection, for love, right? Most of us have a need for love, whether we realize it or not. And if you've gone a long time without a, without a good hug, it's almost like, you know, the times where you've maybe didn't know you were really thirsty, and then you had a drink of water, and you go, wow, I was really thirsty. And if you've gone a while without a hug, you go, man, I really needed a hug, <laughs> you know? And it's, so there are lots of things that we could talk about as far as that fundamental need for, for loving relationship is concerned, but I love the picture of the embrace. And a lot of uh, science has been done about this. Uh, we've seen just some articles even recently how getting a hug on a regular basis, a, a good hug, uh, is, uh, can improve our immunity system as adults. It can reduce stress. Again, like the baby, it could help us sleep better at night. It can improve our self-esteem, our sense of connection, that kind of thing. Best friends need hugs. Pets need hugs. Looks a little like the Corley's dog, one of them, or maybe both their dogs. But uh, my my wife and I are big big dog and cat people. I know that some of you land on one side or the other, but we we love both. And there's nothing like a, a great hug from one of your pets. This is the bro hug. When two masculine, manly men come together with a hug, it starts with a hand, the firm handshake, and then you enter in not too closely, and you will pat each other very firmly on the back and immediately release. Christian affection without going too far is, is maybe one example. The bro hug. This is the Christian side hug. Right? This, this girl does not look very happy about it. Uh, but yeah, sort of the, the safe platonic way to offer affection in the, in the Christian church. And, and I, I will say that uh, I'm talking about hugging, so I don't want this sermon to be licensed for a bunch of drive-by huggings in the church. Um, I know there are different ways. People, some people love hugs. Some people don't. I know the Latin culture uh, is, is far more into the big bear hugs. Michael hugged me right off the plane. I, I said, I didn't know there would be hugging. Um, so we need, we need hugs, but we need them in the right appropriate context and boundaries. Uh, so, so accept that. But, yeah, but, uh, but it, is a, it is a human need, you know, within your family, good friends. And I, and I think Christians should uh, accept that as, a, as, a, as something that we should do with discretion, I would guess, as a way. Uh, is this too much? I don't... <laughs> Tigers need hugs. I'm not sure what happened after the photo was taken, but... But the world that we live in, the stories that we hear, the books, the movies, usually start like this. Boy and girl are separate. All right, Cinderella is separate from Prince Charming. And at the end of the story, 
The climax is them getting together, marriage, happily ever after, right? The embrace of happily ever after. That's the story that we, we hear about so much in our culture, right? But the biblical story is a little bit different. The biblical story talks about a different kind of embrace. Really, the biblical story focuses more on the embrace of forgiveness, of restoration. It's not the only way that we're supposed to embrace people, or it's not the only need that we have, but so often we, we mix it up. We, we say it's about getting people together, right? But so much of the biblical story is about coming from a place of need and weakness, almost like the premature baby, into a place of embrace where we are loved back to life, so to speak. Except for the first two chapters in the Bible, Genesis, most of the Bible is about the embrace, is not about the embrace of happily ever after, it is about the embrace of restoration, the embrace of forgiveness. Genesis 33, Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. If you understand the context, Jacob had stolen his birthright. He had done all sorts of things that were unforgivable. And, and at least at this point, he was coming to meet Jacob, uh, Jacob and Esau was, was coming to meet uh, his brother again, and he was expecting to be killed, perhaps justifiably. But Esau ran and embraced him, fell on his neck and kissed him, and they wept. There was a, a Middle Eastern thing for, for the full-on bear hug, right? Genesis 45, Joseph who also was betrayed by his brothers, kissed all of his brothers and wept on them, which I think means he also embraced them. And afterward, his brothers talked with him. So we see examples of this embrace of forgiveness, this this embrace of restoration, where somebody gets a big hug when they absolutely did not deserve that embrace. Isaiah 40 encapsulates so much of the focus of the prophets and the, and the story in the Old Testament that God was separated from man in Genesis, but the story, despite all the failings and all the death and all the sin in the Old Testament, was a forward focus by God to invite man back to him, right? In the same way that you and I might do this with a toddler, saying, come, come hug me, come embrace me. That was the focus of the prophets, the focus of so many speakers and writers in the Old Testament. Isaiah 40 says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A double blessing, right? Right? She, they deserve something else, but God is giving them the double blessing, the embrace of grace, the embrace of forgiveness. That was what was foreshadowed before the coming of Christ. God wanted us back. We looked at this guy last week very briefly. That's the prodigal son. He, as you know the story, he uh, takes all of his father's inheritance, squanders it, lives in a very wild way, runs out of money, ends up working with the pigs with nothing. And 
like so many of us in our lives or many of the people that we work with in ministry, this is kind of a parallel to that premature born child, right? Frail, needy, empty, near death, at least maybe from a spiritual or an emotional place. So let's look at that story briefly. When he, the prodigal son, spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am here dying of hunger? So he got up, and he came to his father, but he was still a long way off. His father saw him and felt compassion for him, and he ran, and he embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. This is the embrace of grace, the embrace of forgiveness. That God is not just this judge sending down lightning bolts and distant from us, but he has come to be with us and join us in our aloneness, in our separation. But he is the God that is like this, right? Even when we're far off, he has his hands outstretched, calling us back to him, calling us back. And I love this, this illustration. It shows just how personal this was to this father. He missed his son. He allowed him to, to, to go his own way, but he missed him. He didn't want him to suffer for his choices. And so when he came back, he offered him abundant grace. And it started out with this big hug, this big kiss, the embrace of forgiveness. But what I also want you to see is that the embrace that Christ and God offer us isn't just an embrace that would send us to heaven, right? It's so important to, to have that as a foundation, but I think too often we, we put the benefits of Christianity out there somewhere in the future, where God's restoration, God's forgiveness begins now. It should affect you in the here and now. Is it going to be complete? You know, are you going to have every, all the benefits that God offers? No. But God offers so much to you and to those you are in a relationship with in the here and now, right? That restoration, that embrace, that, that need that gets filled that we so desirely, uh, so need is met in our lives when we accept the, bra- in the embrace of Christ. He fulfills this deep need for personal relationship. He fulfills this deep need for loving relationship. And so we should walk in victory. We should walk with the balance of contentment, right, of what God offers us. But I don't think we should ever escape from the place of need 
that that little baby has for their father. That that man who was sitting in the pit realized that he had nothing without his father. That's where we need to start from at any given place. One, so that we will constantly remain in fellowship with God, but also so that we can genuinely reach those other people in need that need God as well, that need that love. God wants to embrace us. He wants to welcome us home. God wants to love us back to life. Now, I don't think this is a premature baby, and I also don't know that a premature baby turns into this, you know, full and happy baby right away. But this is the vision, right, where we are separated. And I I think you can be a Christian a long time and still deal with the consequences of that separation, right? We still sin. We still walk away. We can be restored. We can live in that abundance of life, in that embrace, that skin-to-skin direct contact with the Father, with the Father's love. He wants to love us back to life. Ephesians 2, because of his great love, which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, kind of like the child, he made us alive together with Christ so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How great a love the Father has bestowed on us that we would be called children of God. How great a love that we would belong to him as his kids, as his children. God wants us to belong. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. So again, heaven is the destination for sure. But the journey is a journey of restoration, the journey of healing, the journey that God wraps himself around us in his great love and loves us back to life. This is our great shepherd. Jesus says, come to me, right? Arms outstretched. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. So often I've talked about this series as a relational apologetic, right? How do we defend the faith? How do we speak about Christianity in such a way that can prove to people that Christianity is true, that God exists, that the Bible is true, all those things that apologetics does? But this is, this is a, a defense of the faith to me. This is something that above all the science and archaeology and all the proofs that we can come up with should meet the human heart where we live. Come to me, all you are weary and heavy laden. The embrace that we want so much in our lives, God offers, God gives. If that's not a selling point for Christianity, I don't know what is. God meets us 
in our deep need for his love. The Beatitudes are from Matthew 5, and I'm sure in my time here I'll probably talk about them and mention them many times. There's a lot of depth to the Beatitudes uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. But I want to talk to them specific, about them specifically from the point of relationship this morning, but also from the point of God's embrace. Okay? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' mission, the reason he came to the planet, as he sums up in places like Luke 4, was that he would proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, right? That, that he was welcoming us back into the fold. He was, his arms were outstretched to, to start, to take us from our place of need to the place where he could embrace us and we could receive the benefits of that embrace. So those who were poor in spirit, those who have felt the poverty of their spirituality, their emptiness. He said, yours is the kingdom of God. It was like this big hug. It was like this big embrace. Yours is the kingdom of God. If you're poor in spirit, here I am, right? What, what do we have in God's kingdom? Things like security, things like safety, guidance, like any child would have when they, they're embraced by their parent or a husband and wife or a, a best friend. Right. God's kingdom embraces us in our poverty. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Again, God's, God's given us this big hug. You're going to be comforted if you're in mourning. I'm here to hug you. What's mourning? We can mourn, obviously, when people die. It's a big time to mourn. But there's all sorts of things that we mourn in our separation and in our aloneness. Right? We mourn different types of losses, the loss of money, the loss of purpose. There's all sorts of loss that we mourn. But God says, here I am. I'm here to give you a big hug and comfort you in your mourning. Blessed are they who are gentle or meek, humble, for they shall inherit the earth. So much of the Old Testament especially was about the promise of place, the promise of earth or home, right? That the identity of Israel was about place so much, right? It was about home. They, God was going to give them a promised land, a place to call home. And you and I know that there's nothing like home, Right? You're going you're gonna to do things in church. You're going to do things in work. You're going to act a certain way. And, but when you get home, you're like, I'm home, right? Stuff that's familiar. I don't have to try anymore. I don't have to be something anymore. I get to relax. I get to be with my family. I get to eat the food I like, right? There's, there's something about home that gives us a, a sense of security, significance, purpose, Rest, right? If you're gentle, if you understand the need to be gentle and meek and in need, God says, come home, right? The prodigal son needed to be at a place of humility in order to come home. But God was inviting him. God's arms were outstretched, seeking to embrace him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, 
for they shall be satisfied. Again, big hug from God. If you are someone that, now this is my interpretation, but to hunger and thirst for righteousness, again, brings you to a place you don't get there unless you recognize your need for righteousness. Unless you understand, again, sort of like your spiritual poverty. So he says, blessed are you if you realize your hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're going to be satisfied, right? God's calling them. You're going to be satisfied. You're going to have fullness in your life. You're going to be like that that plump baby. (laughs) As long as you thirst and hunger for righteousness, I'm calling you home. I want your life to be more than abundant. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. In our place of aloneness and hurt and bitterness, we're not in a place where we can either love people well or receive love. But God says if you're merciful, you're going to be embraced with mercy. And there's nothing like mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God similar to our hunger and our thirst for righteousness. We need to come to a place of need, understanding that many, in many areas of our life we are not pure. So I think what he's saying is those who pursue purity are going to connect. They're going to see God in a way that they haven't seen him before. There's a scripture that says the more we see Jesus, the more we're like him, the more we connect with him. It's about intimacy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. They're going to get a big hug from God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Belonging to him. We can be sons of God if we lay down our bitterness, lay down our own way, and walk in a way that is peaceful, that we seek peace in the midst of conflict, right? You can see how it all ties together. It requires humility. It requires a, an admission of our poverty, <laughs> in order to lay down our right to get even. If we are deliberately focusing on peace in our own areas of conflict, in the areas of conflict around us, we shall be called sons of God. That's the characteristic of someone who belongs to God and God's embrace. Blessed are those who have been persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The irony of coming to belong to God is that we often are separated from other people, <laughs> right? That in belonging to God, if you are someone that pursues God and his righteousness, we're guaranteed that we're going to be persecuted. We're going to receive opposition. But Jesus encourages us. He says again, sort of a bookend to the beginning, yours is the kingdom of heaven, You could receive the embrace of the kingdom's safety, the kingdom's guidance, even though you're out there on your own sometimes and feeling the persecution for following me. I still want to keep you safe. I still want to love you. Within Christ's loving embrace, we also receive some other things. Connection. We receive acceptance. Affirmation. Simplicity, peace, rest, and joy. These are fundamental needs that you and I have, that every human being has. 
and they are fulfilled within Christ's loving embrace. Our need for loving relationship is fulfilled ultimately in Christ. How do we return the embrace? Most of Scripture, Paul loves to do this. Jesus loves to do this. He will lay out what God says, what God is offering you, but he will also move on to the place that we need to respond because everything that we receive is not meant to be kept. (laughs) It's meant to be poured out. So if you have received the embrace of God, how can you return the embrace? Ephesians 4, we touched on this a little bit. In the Beatitudes, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So we benefit from God's embrace. We, We see so many of those needs are met. We are loved back to life. But God says, all right, pour that out. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of keeping people at arm's length. Pour out the love that I am giving to you. That's one way that we can return the embrace, to be tenderhearted and forgiving. Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, we prove to be gentle among you as a nursing mother tenderly cares for her own children, right? We're to return that embrace. We're to love others from their premature, frail, weak place back to fullness, healing, restoration. Having so fond an affection for you, Paul goes on, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become very dear to us. This, again, is the relational apologetic. We're not just about words. We're not just about teaching you new ways of living or getting you to memorize the Bible or choose Jesus over Buddha. We are offering you our very lives, not just the gospel, but our very lives as well. That's how we return the embrace. We give every part of who we are in the same way that a mother or a father does to their baby. Christ's love has an endless amount of scope and boundaries. It's not something that you and I could ever really fully grasp, but as was mentioned in worship We see Ephesians 3. I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. That you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. We have this need, this deep need, in the same way as someone who's gone hours or days without having a good drink for loving relationship. And God's love fills us in a way that nothing else can. And God's love is so beyond us, right? I think think he's being a little bit figurative here because I don't know that we could ever reach the boundaries of God's love. 
of Christ's love. God wants to embrace us. God wants to accept us for who we are. But also there are other elements of love, right? Love doesn't just start or stop with unconditional acceptance. It also leads to a place of expectation. And so next week, we're going to be looking more about that other side of love. Love is all about compassion. God's love is all about mercy and acceptance, but there's more to it. There's more to God's love. He starts by embracing us and accepting us, and then it leads to a place of expectation and encouragement. That's what we're going to talk about next week. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are grateful for the endless amount of love that you show us in Scripture, that your love began in the beginning and was renewed from the very moment that Adam and Eve fell and you started reaching your arms out for us from the first moments after our sin to invite us back home. Lord, I I pray that we can even get a a glimpse of what that love looks like, that we can feel your arms around us, feel the warmth of your grace, of your forgiveness, feel the warmth of the fulfillment that your love and your nurturing care provide. Lord, I know that so many of us this morning or at different times in our life are weary and heavy laden. And Lord, I just ask that now is the time that we can turn to you, that we can see you running towards us as the father ran towards his son to embrace us, to kiss us, to offer a celebration that we are no longer lost, that we are within your arms, that we are beneficiaries of your amazing, unendless grace and love. And Lord, I just ask for opportunities for that healing to be poured out to all those who are in need, those who don't know your love, those who can experience your love in a way because we have chosen to pour out the love you've given us to others. I pray for these things in the name of Jesus. And I'll end with this scripture. We have come to know and believe the love God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God. And God abides in him. It is through God's love that we belong to him. Have a great week. This podcast is produced by Embrace What Matters Ministries and is available most anywhere podcasts can be found. I encourage you to subscribe, share, and please leave a comment or send me an email. To learn more about this ministry, my devotional book, and other writings, please visit EmbraceWhatMatters.com.